Amen. The book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. I'm so glad to be back here at Life Church today. What a tremendous atmosphere of his presence that is in this place. I give honor to your pastor and his wife, some of my dearest friends in all the earth, and uh, I love them dearly. And also your assistant pastor and his wife, the Weezars, I love them, my very best friends. And um, so excited about what God is doing in their lives, in this place, in this church. It's exciting. It's good to see a, a full house today. It's good to see all of you wonderful people. And if this is your first time here, uh, I just want to, on behalf of the ministry team and, and the, the congregation of Life Church, I want to welcome you to the greatest church in town. That's not a knock on any other church. It's just what I know about this church. It's the greatest church in town. And whatever you need from God, you come to the right place today. You've come to the right place today. I also give honor to your dynamic worship leader and the team here, Pastor Caleb. How many appreciate him? And I'm inspired by Life Church, Brother Ulysses. Thank you for what you do. I want to do that in Glendale. I want to get connected in the community in Glendale. We've been having very good church lately. People have been getting baptized in Jesus' name, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then we had, we, had, uh, we had two receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost last night. By the way, Pastor Caleb led worship for us last night. So, I mean, just I love his spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 1. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Everybody say, it's in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift. Everybody say, stir up the gift, which is in you. It's in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear of power and of love and of a sound mind. Quickly to Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust. Let me say dust. One translation says dirt of the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Lord God formed man out of the dirt. For man out of the dirt. I want to pray or preach for the next few moments here at Life Church this afternoon on this thought. The God of dirt. The God of dirt. Amen. Could you put your Bibles down and lift your spirits to heaven one more time? Let us go to the Lord in prayer today. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for the spirit that is in this place. We thank you, God, for what you are doing in this church, in this city, in this county, through Life Church. Pray, God, that you would speak to us today for our hearts and our ears are open to you, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Don't let us forget what we hear, but remind us until what we hear becomes what we do and who we are. In the name of Jesus, the church said amen. 
I wonder one more time if you could put your hands together and magnify the name of the Lord in this place. Come on, if you know that he's worthy, if you know that without him you would be nothing, could do nothing, could be nowhere, without him you'd be nobody, without him you'd probably be lost and undone, maybe dead or in prison. Hallelujah. God is good. The God of dirt. I love the Bible. How many love the Word of God? I love the Bible. Love the Word of God. It is infallible. It is incorruptible. It is unchanging. It is immutable. It is eternal. It is unmatchable. It is the Word of God. Love the Bible. It is God breathed. It is God inspired. It is, there are roughly 800,000 words contained in a comprehensive collection of 66 books in all, composed by about 40 diverse yet singularly unified authors. I love the Bible. It fortifies me, it strengthens me. It builds me up. It empowers you and I today. It builds us up and it gives us the strength that we need to face the challenges of life. I'm telling you today, the Bible is an incredible book. It's an incredible book. I believe the whole thing. I even believe the maps in the back. I love the Bible. I hope you love the Bible today because the Bible is different than any other book that you can approach. It's different than any other book that you can read. You can't approach the Bible as if you would approach any other volume of writings because all of those mediums contain specific content that is cut to the context of that time period for that they were written in. So next year, next decade, next century, some of these other mediums or volumes that we can read will be outdated, irrelevant, no longer important. If you don't think that's true, just ask anybody here under the age of 25 if they even have heard of Encyclopedia Britannica. Nope. They've heard of Wikipedia because it's fluid. It's, it's evolving. It's, it's ever-changing with the tide of current and tide of events in our culture. How many remember Encyclopedia Britannica? My mom used to order those every year. You'd have to order a brand new volume every year because time changes. Seasons change. Events happen. Things happen. The world changes. And so you would have to order a brand new set of books every single year. Young people, you have no idea what I'm even talking about right now. Seasons change. And so there are volumes in this world that you can read and get a hold of that will be outdated because of culture and shifting ideals. But the Bible, it was put to pen thousands of years ago. But it has not changed to accommodate ever-evolving ever ideologies an ever-shifting culture, an ever-diminishing morals. It is constant. It is concrete. There's a reason why people in this culture hate it so much, because it does not bend 
and it does not waver. It stands as deeply rooted and as high as a redwood, a sturdy contrast uh, to a culture of bending bamboo. Yet it is still relevant, yet it is still powerful even today. Yet even though it has not changed for millennia and centuries, it can still reach me where I am today. It can still touch me where I am today because it was pinned by God. Don't understand how you can call yourself a believer and you can be in your word and, and, and yet still live a defeated lifestyle. You, you can't call yourself, you can't read the Bible and have a negative and pessimistic and precipitous outlook on life because when you read the Bible, it builds you up and you hear fortified truths like, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You are more than a conqueror. Every tongue that rises against you, God will condemn. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. And if God be for me, who can be against me? And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There's no God like our God. And there's no word like the word of God. The Bible fortifies me. The Bible builds me up. The Bible strengthens me. And it reminds me to know, Brother Ulysses, that if his eye is on the sparrow in the sky and on the lilies in the meadows, then surely his eye is on you and I today. Surely my life is in his hands today. It builds me up. It strengthens me. His word is like the scaffolding around my life, ever building me up, ever increasing me ever expanding me. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, ever building and fortifying me and encouraging me and uplifting me. However, there was one passage of Scripture that when I read it did not build me up. When I came across it, it did not enhance my self-worth or my self-esteem, didn't inflate my ego or pump me up. We read it a minute ago. It's in the first book in the Bible. In the beginning, God created man from dirt. Everybody say dirt. Interesting to me, Pastor Caleb, to consider that everybody in this room, irrespective of your social status, irrespective of the amount that you have in your bank account, irrespective of how good you think you look or your pedigree or how blue your blood is or how blue your blood is not, interesting to me to consider that every person in this room came from dirt. Some of you thought you had nothing in common with the person sitting next to you. We all have something in common, dirt. So if you're ever tempted to be arrogant, if you're ever tempted to think yourself higher than you should, it would behoove you to read Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7 over again this morning because it's a good reminder for all of us today that every single person in this room came from dirt, just dirt. Just dirt. 
No celestial substances, no heavenly ingredients, just dirt, just plain old base, lowly, filthy, undignified, insignificant dirt, every single one of us. Look at the person to your left, say you're dirty. Look at the person to your right, say you're dirty too. Now point that finger on your own self. Say, I'm dirty. <laughs> Dirt. And it's also interesting to me, Brother Dillo, to consider all of the things that people will do for their dirt. I'm about to preach now. People spend money on their dirt. People put makeup on their dirt. Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, yes, he did. Billions of dollars are spent every year in this country trying to make dirt look less like dirt. People getting surgery on their dirt. People getting dirt lifts and dirt suction. And Ladies, the money you spend on that dirt. Oh my you get your dirt manicured, you get your dirt pedicured, you get your dirt exfoliated, you... You wax your dirt. You go to the day spa for your dirt. You, you thread your dirt eyebrows. You spray perfume on your dirt, but it's just dirt. My God, I just freed some of you from some financial pressure right now. It's, you, that was a word you've been needing all your life. It's just dirt. I had issues with this scripture at first because... Dirt has never had a positive connotation in our cultural language. We say things like, don't say that. People will think you have a dirty mouth. Don't look at that. That's a dirty picture. Don't tell that. That's a dirty joke. Even when we are speaking about the frugality of somebody's spending habits, what do we say there? Cheap as dirt. Dirt. Just dirt. We all come from dirt. That's how special we are today. That's how awesome we are today. We just, now some of you, you're having a problem with this right now because you think you're really something today. You showed up to the house of God and you thought, well, I guess I better go to church because if I don't go to church, man, that whole place is going to fall apart. And if I don't go to church, they ain't going to be have no church today if I'm not there clapping my hands and, oh, thank you, Jesus. If I don't wear my best suit and I don't, some of you think you're really something. I thought about bringing some dirt in here today, but I thought, well, you, gotta, you guys got to clean this up after, after we have service, and I don't want anybody to hate me today. So, But there's nothing special about dirt. If I were to hold in my hand a clog of dirt, there's nothing attractive about this. Nobody here is saying, me, 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 I want that. Nobody here is saying, you know what I want for Christmas? Man, you know it would be perfect for Mother's Day. Mom's so awesome. We love her so much. She works so hard for us. You know it would be great to honor mom, some dirt. No. Some of you got a good tax return this year. You didn't go out and buy some dirt. You didn't say, you know what I'm going to do? With I'm, forget the jet ski. Forget the new flat screen. Forget I'm going to go out and get the biggest pile of dirt. I can. No, why? Because it's just, it's just dirt. 
There's nothing special about it. And I had issues with this because, first of all, I know how awesome that the God that I serve is. And you've got to understand this morning that everything that God does, he does with beauty. And he does with splendor. And he does with excellence. And he does with majesty. And if you've ever seen a sunset, then you've seen the handiwork of a creative God. And if you've ever seen the waterfall as it cascades down the rocks, and you've seen the craftsmanship of, a, of, of an awesome God. And if you've ever seen the stars and the moon as they shine luminously in the night sky, then you've seen the beauty and the splendor of our creator. Picasso can't even come close to the artistry of our creator. Everything that he does, he does with beauty and splendor and excellence and majesty. But for us, he used dirt. I had a problem with this because you do know that he's the interior decorator of heaven, right? You do know that for the gates he used pearl, and for the streets he used gold, and for amen, and for the seas he used crystal. But when he gets ready to make you and I his prized possession, the apple of his eye, the one that he will come and die on a cross for, when he begins to create us out of everything at his disposal, out of everything that he could have used on us, he says, no, I think I'll just use some dirt. Get this straight. Streets get gold, but we get dirt. And I took issue with that until God began to reveal to me the life changing revelation that is communicated in His creation process. You see, before the beginning of time, God has been showing us something about His character and His attributes because, I feel it right now, because. Although you came from dirt, and although you were formed from dust, you have a God who is high and who is holy and who is lofty. But the beautiful irony, the beautiful irony of God is, yes, he is holy. Yes, he is high and lifted up. But he's not afraid to work with things that are dirty. You serve a God who is awesome, but he's not afraid to work with things that are awful. You serve a God who is magnificent, but he's not afraid to work with things that are mundane. Hello, somebody. You serve a God who is incredible, but he's not afraid to handle things that are insignificant. You serve a God who is wonderful, but he's not afraid to get his hands dirty with things that are worthless. You serve a God who is perfect, but he's not afraid to get his hands dirty with people who are poor and people who are pitiful and people who are dirty. I'm going to need a little bit more monitor. That's why we praise God. That's why we worship the way we worship. That's why I can't sit still in the house of God with that kind of revelation in my psyche. That's why i got to get loud in here. That's why I've got to put my hands together and lift my voice in here. That's why we do, because I didn't deserve any of this. I'm just dirt. I get to be in the presence of God this morning. I get to be in the house of God this morning. I can't keep quiet. You can be seated this morning. That's why we do what we do. And worship leaders, service leaders, church leaders, that's why we do what we do. Because when people in this world 
turn their nose at things and turn their nose at other people who are dirty and say, I don't want anything to do with those who are dirty. God says, no, 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 you bring me that dirt and that dirt that you think is worthless and that dirt that you think is hopeless you, and that dirt that you think is insignificant, I'll put my hands on it and I'll begin to shape it and I will form that dirt and I will breathe life on that dirt and what was once worthless and what was once filthy and what was once useless will become a living soul and a living being and a life with value and a life with purpose. We, we don't do this to get recognized. I don't preach for all the saved and sanctified folk here today so that you can tell me what a good job I did in the pulpit. I, we don't lead worship, play drums, play the guitar, and lead service so that, so that we can sit on a platform and be glorified and magnified. No, no, no. We do what we do here today because we're just dirt trying to lead other dirt to Jesus. We do what we do at Life Church today because we're just dirt in the presence of the only one who truly loves dirt, in the presence of the only one who can make beautiful things out of dust, beautiful things out of us. And if we're not in church today doing what we do, worshiping him today, so that dirty people with dirty situations and dirty lives and dirty problems and dirty relationships and dirty habits can be handled and breathed on by a loving and purposeful creator, what are we here for? Oh, I'm preaching now. I'm preaching now. And see, if you don't like dirt, this is a problem for you. If you're, if you're fake today, plastic, inauthentic, you hate dirt, what's the first thing you do when you get dirt on us? Come on, somebody. Any young people know what I'm talking about? Any young people know you just got a new pair of shoes? You got a new pair of white shoes? Your swag is on point? You're looking good in the hood? feeling good, walking around with your new white shoes, and you get some dirt on those shoes, what do you do? You got some new pants, man, you just went to, man, you just went to H&M, and you just dropped some coin on some new pants, and man, you're, you're looking good, you're, you're just, man, you're showing off how good you look, and you walk by, you rub up against something on accident and you get dirt all up down, all up and down your pants. What do you do? The first thing you do when you get dirt on you. We don't like dirt. First thing you do when you get your hands dirty, you go look for a sink to wash off the dirt. We don't like dirt. But it's hard for us today because we don't like dirt to understand the beauty of this principle. But if you can be real about it with me today and you can be honest about it with me today and admit that we're really nothing more than just a big old pile of dirt to begin with and you've got dirty hands. I don't know, you don't want to be real. I see how it is, so I'll just be real today. You've got dirty hands and you've got dirty hearts and you've got dirty thoughts and you've got, hello somebody, and you've got dirty situations and you've got dirty lives than this, this. What I'm preaching about right now to you, this should get you excited because God loves to work with dirt. God 
loves to make beautiful things out of dirt. Listen to me right now. He does not need your perfect situation. He does not need your perfect life. He does not need your perfect stuff to work with. He is the God of dirt. He is the only one who can take a, he can take your great mess and turn it into greatness. He's the God of dirt. I'm thankful that I know a God who works with dirt today. I'm thankful that I know a creator who can handle my mess today. I'm thankful that I know the God of dirt who said gold, nope, pearls, nope, silver, nope, diamonds, nope, dirt. Dirt. You can be seated. I think that he chose dirt. And I'm going to hasten to old preacher's word for saying nothing really. He chose dirt for two reasons, I believe. And the first reason he chose dirt is that if anything ever happens with dirt, and if anything ever comes of dirt, the only person who can really take the credit is the gardener who got his hands dirty with the dirt. Think about it. The gardener is the one who does the planting, the tilling, the pruning, the tending, the growing, the cultivating, the harvesting. Nobody else can take credit for what happens with the dirt, least of all the dirt. Only the God of dirt. I've got the same dirt in my front yard as my neighbor, and my yard looks nothing like his. I'm not a very good gardener. I've got brown spots on my lawn. Someone needs to help me. If you, man, if you, if you know what you're doing with a front yard, please come see me. 1013 Rosedale Avenue, Glendale, California, 91201. I can't pay you much, but my wife makes good food. We'll feed you. I need help in my front yard. I got brown spots. My neighbor's looking at me on the side of his eye. Just, he's like 80 years old, but if he was in this generation, he'd say SMH, just... His, green, his grass in the middle of summer, I mean, it's as green. I mean, it is so green. I just sit there and I envy it. We're not supposed to envy. So that's a problem for me. I look at his lawn. I'm like, oh, my God, he's got flowers. He's out there every day with his hands dirty. And I'm not. And that's probably why. Only the garden. The dirt gets no credit. He's got the same dirt as I got. The difference is he's willing to bend down to where that dirt is. And he's willing to touch it. He's willing to work with it. He's willing to form it. He's willing to get his hands dirty down there with that lowly, base, filthy dirt. We're just dirt. We're just dirt. We're just dirt. Least of all the dirt can take credit for what happens with the dirt. I can't take credit for what happens in the house of God. You can't take credit for what happens in the house of God. We're not the gardeners. We're just the dirt. We're just dirt leading other dirt to Jesus. That's it. And if we have a powerful worship service in here and we have people get the Holy Ghost in here and we think it's because of our talents or our abilities or our equipment or our lights or our cool outfits, 
Holy Ghost now. This is a huge one for our for us as Pentecostals. If we think it's our personal stylistic preferences that got the results that we had today, if we let me tell you something, God doesn't need your stylistic preference. Doesn't matter if you prefer gospel and they do contemporary. Doesn't matter if you prefer contemporary and they. God doesn't need your stylistic preference. God doesn't need any particular style of worship or music to move in this house to change lives. To. Ch- if you don't think that's true, then you. I was sitting on at a youth camp on the other side of this world watching some islanders worship God to the craziest mess I've ever heard in my life. I didn't understand a word they were saying. The beat was driving me. I wanted to go beat my head against the wall. It was nuts. And they're just running, jumping, dancing. People, kids getting the Holy Ghost on this island halfway across the world. God doesn't need your style. Hello, somebody. It doesn't matter what style we do. We're just the dirt. We're just the dirt. We're just the dirt. I'm going to hasten. I'm going to hasten. I, I know I might be stepping on somebody's manicured toes this morning, but listen, you should be reminded that God doesn't need you. you. I still love you, and I know you love me, and, and, and we're just family. Listen, I, I tell my church this. You come once, you're my friend. You come twice, you're my family. I've been at Life Church several times now. You're just family. I'm just at home. We're just dirt together, baby. That's all we are. And no matter how good you can, and no matter how good you can, no matter how good you look, and no matter how good you sing, no matter how good you clap, no matter how much you amen the preacher, God still does not use you, need you. God will use you, but God doesn't need you. I don't know why this is in my spirit today, but listen, this is where God has me right now. Musicians, singers. Leaders in general, don't act like God needs you. Church, don't act like God needs you. Let me just break it down uh, and give you a little bit of theology on the needs of God. He, if you did not do what you're doing for God, God would find somebody else. And if nobody else did it, He just shuffled through the dirt until he found himself some rocks, and the rocks would do it. That's Bible. He doesn't need you. I'm not the gardener. I'm just the dirt. So I'm going to sing to my best ability, and I'm going to preach to my best ability, and I'm going to worship and give to my best ability. But just remember today, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And if we're not doing this only for his glory, then we need this reminder this afternoon that we're just dirt. And without his breath of life on your pile of dust, you'd be nothing. This is all for him. This is all for his glory. This is all for his fame. This is all for his kingdom. This is all for his lordship. Worthy is the lamb. I'm not worthy, but worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. He's the gardener. I'm the dirt. He gets the glory. He gets the credit. He gets the paycheck. I just get to be here. 
I just get to be here in his presence where there's fullness of joy. In his presence where I just get to be here. I don't deserve to be here, but I just get to be. I don't deserve any of this. I don't deserve his presence. I don't deserve his touch. I'm just dirt. That's why I'm so thankful. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. That's why I'm so thankful. That's why I cannot show up to the house of God and just sit there. That's why I cannot show up to the house of God on a Sunday morning and not stand to my feet and put my hands together and lift my voice to Jesus because without him, I'm just dirt blowing in the wind. But he saw fit in his love and mercy to reach down to the dirt and put his hands on me. And breathe his life on me. You know what our big problem in Pentecost? We've been doing this for so long, Pastor Caleb. We've been spoiled for so long with his presence that some of us have begun to take it for granted and think that we actually have done something to deserve any of this. And because we don't do this and we don't do that and we look like this, that we deserve this. We don't deserve any of this. And we don't get any of this without him. Rec- Let me break it down for you. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin. The Bible says that he who, he who was without, without spot or wrinkle, he who knew no transgression, he became every spot. He became every wrinkle. He became every transgression. Did you know that until Calvary, we would never be able to experience this? I don't know about you, but I, I need the presence of God. Without the presence of God, I'd be lost. I don't want just another religious institution. I don't want just another gathering on a Sunday morning. I want the people of God to gather together in his name and know that his presence is going to be there. I need the presence of God in my life. But before Calvary, nobody could experience the presence of God. Nobody. Why? Because we're dirt. And so every generation would have to raise up a spotless sacrificial lamb. And they would have to take that spotless sacrificial lamb and offer it to a high priest. They could not even come into the temple. They had to offer it outside to the high priest. He would take it in. He would sacrifice it. And then he and only he could go into the presence of God. And listen, if he entered the presence of God without washing at that, without washing all the, the dirt off. Did you know that if the high priest even went into the presence of God with so much as a pimple on his face, so much as dirt underneath his fingernails, that he would die right then and there. But at Calvary. The one who loves dirt. He came down. He came down. And he got his hands dirty. For the first time. He got his hands dirty. And the Bible says he who knew no sin became sin. What does that mean? That means he got dirty for you. That means he took on all your dirt. He took on all your shame. He took on all your transgressions. And he nailed them to an old rugged cross. And as that blood. 
Holy Ghost in this place. That blood that he shed for our sins, it began to fall off of that tree and it began to fall on the dirt and his blood began to cover the dirt that day. And, and listen, when he rose again on the third day, he didn't just leave it at that. No, sir, he went into the Holy of Holies and the Bible says he rent the veil in two. And as he stepped into that holy place, as he stepped into the presence of God, he looked back at me and he looked at back at you and he said, why don't you come on in with me, David? And why don't you come on in with me, Caleb? And now we get to us, this lowly dirt, these lowly, dirty people, because he became dirt. We get to get in his presence today, we, but do you understand the sacrifice that he had to make so that we could experience this today? I can't take this lightly. I can't take this for granted. I'm not, I'm not worthy. Last, last night at church, a lady in my church named Sister Anna Maria was pulling in. She saw a lady walking in the parking lot. She began to talk to her. Her name was Maggie. Sweet lady. She invited Maggie to church. Maggie said, I'm not worthy to be there. I've made too many mistakes in my life. I've got too much sin in my life. I've been through too much stuff. Sister Anna Maria said, no, God loves you. You need to be there. Right as the first song was beginning to start, Maggie walked in off the street into the house of God at Angela's church last night. She began to walk in. She took the seat in the very back, and I saw her come in, and I went and introduced myself to her. I said, hello, I'm so glad you're here. My name is David. We're so glad that you're with us today. And she looked at me, and she said these words, and I quote, I'm too dirty for Jesus. I just begin to pray with her right there. And before that first song, Pastor Caleb, was even over, God filled her with the Holy Ghost. God filled her with his spirit because his blood can cover your dirt. I don't know what you came in here carrying. I don't know what dirt you've got smeared on your face this afternoon. But I'm here to tell you that the blood of Jesus can wash your sins. What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody needs to hear this right now. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're dealing with, whatever addictions in your life, whatever's oppressing you, it's just dirt. But God is in the business of washing away the dirt in your... The second reason he chose dirt is that dirt is the only environment that is conducive for a seed. See, I don't care how nutritious the vegetation is, how beautiful the flora and the fauna is, how grandiose the oak tree is. It all started with a seed in some dirt. And because we are dirt, God has planted a seed inside of each and every one of you. Today, there's a gift that God has planted inside of you. There's a gift that God has planted inside of you. And you owe it to God to find out what that gift is. You owe it to God to say, that's why, that's why Paul said that we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's why the Bible says, now unto him who is able to do exceeding and abundant above all that. 
you may ask or think according to the power which worketh in you. There is a gift of God inside of your dirt this afternoon. That's why he used dirt, so that he could plant something inside of you for a purpose that is greater than you. Beginning to close, there's a great statement about the gift that is inside of you. It's found in the first set of verses that we read this morning, 2 Timothy. Let's take a look at Scripture for just a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and, and we read this. He, he's talking to his son in the faith, Timothy. In verse number 6, he says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift that is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Oh, that sounds good, doesn't it? God has not given you a spirit of fear. Some of you are struggling with that spirit of fear today. Some of you are struggling with that spirit of fear today. Do you know that that's not of God? If God's filled you with his spirit, that fear is not of him. He's given you not a spirit of fear, but of power. You know why some of you aren't winning souls? Because you're afraid. But he's given you the power to get past that fear. Tell somebody what tell somebody what God has done in your life. You know why some of you ha- can't kick that addiction? You're afraid. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. He's given you power over that addiction, power over that sin, power over that proclivity. That sounds good this morning. I want the power of the Holy Ghost to work in my life. I want the power over sin. I want the power over addiction. I want the power over fear. He said, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. Love sounds good today. I want to love. I want to be loved. I want to know how to love. Some of you don't even know how to love. It's because you were never taught how to love. You were never loved. You don't even understand love. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear." Some of you are even afraid to love. You're afraid to people let you're afraid to let people love you. That's not from God. God has not given you that. He's given you the spirit of power. He's given you love today. Some of you are worried and you're afraid. You don't even know if you're gonna be able to love your kids as much as you should. That's not of God. God wants to rectify that this morning. He's given you power. He's given you love. Some of you need to learn how to be loved. Got a young lady in my church right now. She was molested. She was abused. She was a teenage alcoholic and drug drug addict. 22 years old, already been in four years of Alcoholics Anonymous. My wife and I tell her every day, Brittany, we love you. We love you. The first few months that she was coming to church, she didn't understand that. She just, she got real uncomfortable. It was awkward when we would say that. She just didn't know what to say. Finally, one day, she just began breaking down, crying, tears streaming down her face. She said, I love you too. She said, this is the first person, the first time I've ever been able to tell somebody, I love you. Let me tell you something. Four years of Alcoholics Anonymous didn't do that to the, didn't do that to Brittany, but four months in the presence of Jesus did that. And I'm, I'm not against any programs. I'm for them and we support them. 
but God can do more in one moment in his presence than a lifetime of programs and books and counseling. He's given you love today and of a sound mind. Oh, some of you today, that sounds good because your mind isn't so sound right now. You've got a battle raging up in that brain of yours. You've got a daily struggle up in that mind of yours. And one day you're up and the next day you're down and it's a fight, it's a battle, it's a struggle. That's not of God. He has given you soundness of mind. Some of you struggle with depression and bipolar disorder and we don't, we don't ever address that stuff in the church. I understand that, but I'm addressing that today. I lost a sister to that stuff. Listen, the God who can deliver from drugs and alcohol is the same God who can deliver from depression and bipolar disorder and schizophrenia and whatever emotional illness and whatever mental illness is plaguing you today. He can heal you and give you soundness of mind. Got a man in my church named Jose. Jose spent 20 years on drugs. Jose's schizophrenic. He's lived all his life in a home for people like him. This month, he moved out into his own apartment. He says, I am healed from that disease. Listen, God can heal from your emotional and mental disorder and give you soundness of mind. You say, how does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. It happens when you stir up the gift that is inside of you. Paul's writing to his son in the gospel, Timothy, and he's admonishing Timothy to be a good steward of the gift that God has planted inside of each and every one of us. And when you approach this text to fully appreciate it, you have to understand the canvas on which it was painted because Bible scholars all unanimously agree that 2 Timothy is the very last of the apostle Paul's writings. It was in place last in sequence in scripture in biblical volumes, but chronologically historians agree that 2 Timothy was the last thing that Paul ever wrote. you're reading 2 Timothy, you're privileged to eavesdrop into the mind of somebody who knew that he was about to die. He's just moments away from Nero's guards coming in to bring him to his place of execution. And that's important to know because there's just something about a consciousness of death that clarifies your priorities in life. Think about if I told you you had two days to live. There's something about a consciousness of death. I guarantee you, your value system would shift. I guarantee you that this minuscule minutia that's dominating your mind right now and balancing your checkbook and how, how, how do I look today? And is my tie straight? And, and, and where am I going to eat after, after church? And what should I wear tomorrow at work? And does this dress make me look fat? All that meaningless minutia in your mind right now would shift instantly and dramatically because there's something. You, you, you would want everything that you did and everything that you said in your final hours to carry great weight and great significance. So it's intriguing to me, Pastor Caleb, that of all of the things that the Apostle Paul could have written about that day, his final farewell letter, of all 
the things that he could have put to pen that day. He is so passionate about telling Timothy and the rest of us, hey, you've got to stir up the gift that is in the inside of you. Because Paul understood this. Paul understood this. Paul was so passionate about making sure we understood this because ultimately this is what life is all about. What did you do with the gift that God put inside of you? What did you do with the gift that God put inside of you? What did you do with the spirit that God filled you with? What did you do with that moment in his presence and the middle of August in Monrovia, California at the Mary Wilcox Center. What did you do that day when you felt the presence of God moving on you? What did you do with the gift that is inside of you? What did you do with the gift that is inside of you? Paul spends his last breaths commanding Timothy to respond to the Spirit of God inside of him. And that's what I want to do in our last moments today as I begin to open these altars. Some of you are feeling the call of God on your life. and Some of you never received the baptism of the the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I'm going to open these altars to you and I'm going to challenge you right now. What are you doing with the gift? What are you doing with the seed that's been planted in you? What are you doing with the Spirit of God that's in this place? Come on, stand to your feet all across this place. And if you feel the Holy Ghost in this room, I want to invite you to come forward right now. Maybe you're struggling with fear. You need to come forward. Maybe you're struggling with sin and you need power over sin. You need to come forward today. Maybe you're struggling with the concept of love, being loved by him and loving like him. You need to come forward today. Maybe you're struggling. There's an emotional problem. Maybe there's a mental problem you're dealing with. There's this up and down, this fight inside of your own mind you're struggling with today. I want to tell you the presence of God is in this place. And what are you doing with the gift that he's planted in you today? What are you doing right now? Are you going to respond to it? Or are you just going to sit on a pew and let another day pass and another problem go by and another situation go by? What are you going to do right now? But God's calling you today. He's calling you today in his love and his mercy. He's saying, hey, I know that you're just dirt, and I know that you're messed up, and I know there's situations, but listen, I love to work with dirt, and if you would come to me, and you would allow me to breathe on your life, <laughs> I can breathe life into you, I can breathe breath into you. They're going to begin to sing, and they're going to begin to worship, but right now I want every hand lifted, lift your voice to Jesus right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray right now that the blood that you shed on Calvary, you shed one drop for me. I pray, God, that the blood that you shed on Calvary will cover me right now, cover my sin right now. In the name of Jesus. 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 Oh, come on, you've got to stir up that gift today. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody right now, stir past that doubt. Some of you got doubts of whether or not God is going to work mightily on your behalf today. There's only one way to find out, sir. There's only one way to find out, ma'am. You've got to stir past that doubt. Stir it up, stir it up, stir it up, stir it up, stir up the gift. You gotta stir past that fear. 
face that fear today. Some of you got to get past what other people think about you. You got to get past what you did last and week and stir up. Spirit, you are welcome. Come on, somebody. Respond to the Spirit of God moving in this place. Come on, respond to the Spirit of God moving in this place. Stir up that gift inside of you. Come on, stir past that fleshly limitation. Stir past your fleshly desire to just let another service go by in your comfort zone. Push past your comfort. Push past your fear.
tell you right now, the presence of the Lord is still in this place right now. And he's doing some things right now in the hearts of those that are up here. And you can feel it back there because God's been talking to you. And you were kind of reluctant to come up to the altar and get a little bit of what God is trying to talk to you about. But the word was for you this evening, this afternoon. You need to respond to that because your opportunity right now to get in contact with the presence of the Lord to do a work in you that is life-changing is now. So right now where you're at, why don't you lift up your hands? And if you feel God still beaking at you, just tugging at your heart to come up to this altar. And I don't know why, but you just need to come up to the altar. Just come on up. Just come on up. It could be a life-changing event that happens in your life. You won't be the same anymore. You came into this place, but you'll leave different. Come. Those of you that are here at the altar, just begin to pray. Just begin to reach out unto him right now. The presence of God is still here. You can feel the love of God loving some of you. You can feel the love of God all over some of you. Can we do that right now? Let's lift up our voices out unto the Lord. Can we do that right now? Let's lift up our voices out unto the Lord.
Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your goodness in my life. Thank you, Lord, that I'm here today worshiping an awesome God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Oh, that felt good. Can we just do that one more time and just give him a hand clap of praise? Can you lift up your voice just a little bit? Can you give your, your just lift up your voice just a little bit? Uh, because you're victorious this afternoon. Amen. Amen. Grab the hand of the person next to you. We're going to pray a dismissal prayer. That the Lord will continue to do a work in your life, my brother and my sister's life. There's one thing that we've got to understand is that we need each other. Amen. You need that brother, that sister that you're holding the hand next to. I'm going to pray right now in unity that the Lord would continue to bless my brother and my sister as we leave, that his presence will continue to go with us and that his blessing would be upon us day in and day out the rest of the remainder of this week, that God would just get glory in all of it. Amen. Jesus, we come before you one more time, Lord. We thank you for the goodness and mercy and grace that you've bestowed upon us. We thank you for your word that you've instilled in us. We thank you for your spirit that we feel your presence, Lord, that is all over us. Thank you for loving us, Lord, and caring for us and watching out for us, Lord. We thank you for everything you're doing in our lives. And we ask right now that your blessing would rest upon my brother and my sister, that you continue to do the work in their lives, Lord, that you would be instrumental in their lives, Lord. We pray right now in the name of Jesus, bless them. Bless them where they're going. Bless them, Lord, on their venture and their life with you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we bless your wonderful name, Lord, and we give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.